1: Canoncast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, an ESPN blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am William Chase, joined by Elaine Shercliffe, and a special guest joins us, public address announcer for the Blue Jackets, Greg Murray. Greg, thanks for joining us. Sure thing, Will. How you doing, Elaine?
2: Good. How are you doing?
1: I am delightful.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: I'm curious how you've been spending your time during this quarantine and hockey hiatus. You had some really funny videos on Twitter back at the beginning of the quarantine so have you had much free time on your hands?
3: Well, not really. Um, I don't know how many people think that my job with the Blue Jackets is the only thing that I do, but <laughs> it's not. I, it's, it's been my 20-year uh, side hustle uh, that I've been. I was side hustling before people were side hustling. So I, I have a, a radio and television production company um, that I own and run with my wife. Uh, she does the books. and. I basically do all the talking because that's my spiritual gift. I was wired to talk and talk and talk (laughs) and talk. So uh, we work with about 25 uh, Christian radio stations around the country, a handful of mainstream radio stations, and we do a lot of radio commercials and concert tour commercials for the vast majority of the major Christian artists in the country. So, this is typically a really busy time because we're doing concert work, but right now not so much because everything's basically shut down. Right, so business is a little bit. So I've had a little extra time on my hands. So uh, we had a little bit of fun, and the whole thing with the the videos that I started doing, you know, at the beginning of the quarantine. I jokingly said something to my wife and it was the oatmeal one (laughs) and she looked at me and she laughed and she said, you have to do that. And that just started this, this whole thing of, uh, of videos and ideas. And, and the last one we did was, was the bingo thing with, um, I promise you my neighbor's dog is Leo. And I'm (laughs) like, we got to make a video out of that one. And, um, yeah, and so and so now I'm emceeing uh, social distance bingo in our neighborhood. <laughs> um, and we had th- we had three dozen people in, in sitting in the street playing bingo Monday night. It was awesome. <laughs> That's
2: amazing. I love the was, oatmeal one. We like reenact yeah. that at our house uh, constantly. And my parents and I. So
1: <laughs> I was wondering if you had other. Uh, Kind of jobs that you did as well in addition to the blue jackets. So that sounds awesome though that you've been able to, like you mentioned, it's your twenty year twenty year uh, side hustle with the blue jackets. So it's awesome that you've been staying busy with all that.
2: Do you you said you do it all around the the country? I mean the state. Do you do it also for like uh, ninety five point five the fish up here in Cleveland?
3: The fish uh, up there in Cleveland is not one that I work with. I have worked with several fish stations over the years. But my work is all over the place up there because there are always tours that are coming through Cleveland. So,
2: yeah, I was wondering because when you said that, I was like, oh, wait, I think his voice sounds familiar because I used to um, work for this day long Catholic family festival up in Cleveland called The Fest. And some of the artists would have like their own commercials. And I was like, gosh, when she said that, I was like, I think I've actually heard him before <laughs> other than a jacket
3: game. Yeah. So, yeah, if you guys were if, you know, if there were advertisements for Point Fest up there or anytime Toby Mac comes through Cleveland, yes. uh, that's my work, too. So that's
2: awesome. Yeah. yeah.
3: OK. What's funny is I when we went uh, we went out to Phoenix last year and uh, Las Vegas. Uh, during the '19 season uh, with my folks, and it was just—it was very weird to walk out of the arena in Phoenix, and I hear this commercial that I produced. That's my voice, <laughs> and my phone vibrates, and I look down, and oh my gosh, somebody had just tweeted "PA for CBJ." Is that you I hear coming out of the <laughs> arena? And I'm like, oh, this is weird. So
2: <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Speaking of being the PA person, how did you um, get into the position? Was this something that you've always wanted to do on the side? Have you always loved hockey or did you just kind of, I don't want to say fall into it, but was it just kind of something that happened?
3: I totally fell into it, Elaine. So I grew up here in Columbus. So in, in Columbus until, you know, 2000, it was Ohio state football. You know, I played, uh, I played baseball as a kid. I played golf in high school. I had one friend that played hockey. Uh, he had been born in, I think he was born up in the uh, Toledo area. And we all looked at him like he was weird because you know, the chill, the chill was here, but it wasn't, It wasn't a huge, huge sport like it is now. You know, you can't get ice. We don't have enough ice in Columbus. But there was one sheet of ice at the time, if, if I remember right, and it was like over in Westerville. So at the time, when the Blue Jackets were, when Columbus was awarded the franchise, I worked for QFM 96, the Heritage Rock Station here in town. And our studios were in downtown Columbus, And my studio faced what is now the Arena District, but at the time was a toxic cesspool that used to be a state penitentiary. And I could just see the southwest corner, so over where the Tim Hortons is, I could just see the corner of the arena as it was being built. At the time, we were owned by CBS, and I was on the phone to one of our affiliates, a CBS affiliate in Philadelphia, and I was talking about the studios, and I loved working downtown, and I could just see the NHL building that they were putting up. And he said, did you try out for the PA announcer's job? And I said, no. And he goes, why not? And I said, I never really thought of it. And he goes, you ought to. And I thought, well, I've got a nine-month-old and a three-year-old at home. I think dad needs to be out of the house 45 nights out of the year. <laughs> so, so no joke. This is how it went down. So at the time, Dave Pateson, who worked for the Columbus Chill and the Blue Jackets had brought on to kind of get things rolling before Doug McLean came in, uh, I called him in like the fall of 1999, and I said, hey, I'm interested in um, applying for the PA announcer's job. And he goes, well, we haven't hired the person that would hire you, but here are some things that you can do. So I went to, uh, that winter, I went to Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Nashville talked to their PA announcers, their game operations people, kind of got an idea of what I was getting into. And uh, and then the following summer was one of five people that were brought in to audition. And I ended up with the job, and I haven't looked back.
2: That's incredible. And, and you've seen just the sport grow, like you said, with the...
3: Oh, my gosh. Yeah,
2: kind of speak about how you've seen it grow over the past 20 years.
3: I'll tell you what, uh, there are a lot of people that say a lot of things about Doug McLean, but he did exactly what he was brought in to do. He came in and he sold the game of hockey to this town. Now, Columbus has roots. You know, until the team got going, they weren't really well-known roots, but, you know, Columbus has roots in hockey. Doug McLean came in and accomplished exactly what what he was brought in to do. He sold the game to this city and got people fired up. And it's been interesting to see the progressions of management, you know, that, that this team has gone through over the 20 years. It has been so awesome. And now what's really cool is to see guys like Rick Nash living in town, Jody Shelley, who is a fan favorite as a player. And now people love him as a broadcaster and to see all these guys that played here, come back to live here because Columbus is such a great place to raise a family. And oh, by the way, we got a pretty good hockey team and a killer banging facility too. (laughs) Right.
1: Love it. I actually talked to Shelly a few years ago for an interview and he said pretty much the same thing about how he loved the town and just loved being in Columbus. So it is awesome to see a lot of those, those, the players that I remember growing up, being yeah. back with the franchise. And I also remember real fast, I remember before a game this past season on Fox Sports Ohio, they did like a quick feature on you and kind of your, your role with it, you know, being the public address announcer. And I just remember they, I think you were saying that you had done like the, their famous power play uh, call and they were like, oh, that was good, but maybe you can do pull a little bit more into it. And then the <laughs> second time you
3: did it, it was perfect, right? Yeah. What was funny was I was watching, I, I was actually, I think Monday night, uh, they showed the, Since it's, you know, uh, fan week, they showed the game clear back in 2001 where Jeff Sanderson had a hat trick. Now, I was outside hosting social distance bingo, and I get a text from Mike Todd, the arena host, and he goes, games from 2001, you sound so young. (laughs) And I'm like, I got to get inside. And 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 I have I happen to catch a power play call and it was a little bit different. But it was you could just I could just hear the roots of what it is now, and I'm like, my gosh, that hasn't changed all that much, and it's really kind of (laughs) weird.
2: That's great. Now, how do you keep your like vocal cords fresh during the winter? Like, I know um, because I was a vocal performance major in college, so I know it's a very different bird to keep your vocal cords like protected in the summer compared to the winter and i was just kind of curious how you do it because you use it at such a high level high energy level for so many days a year
3: right you know i don't uh i don't smoke I gave up smoking a long time ago. I, I didn't drink for a long, long time. Now, Mrs. PA for CBJ and I will have a glass of wine every now and then, or we'll have a hockey pop over at the neighbor's house once in a while at this point. But really, and it's interesting because until I took this job, I would get laryngitis twice a year as the season turned from summer to fall and from winter to to spring, I don't know if it was allergies or whatever. But when I took the PA announcer's job, unless I did something stupid <laughs> to strain it, I have never had—I have never had uh, laryngitis. There have been a couple of times where I've been really dog sick and probably shouldn't have worked, but I did anyway. So just by nature of what I do, I'm talking all the time. You know, with with the work we do, I, I'm always talking. And then when I'm not doing work, work, I'm always talking about my feelings with my wife, <laughs> and, you know, I can't believe you laughed at that. No. Um, so I, I, I don't I don't do any certain vocalizations or anything like that. But I think just because the nature of the fact that I've exercised these muscles, my vocal cords mm-hmm. so much and I do it so regularly. They're they're just strong. Believe me, there are times when Mrs. Murray does not want me to discuss my feelings with her. <laughs> so, and and there are times and there are times where where I come home from a game or a long weekend and I just I can give her a look and she goes, "Yep, he's out of words." <laughs>
1: So about a year ago, I randomly, I, I came across you on Twitter and I randomly asked you, and you may not remember, but I I remember asking you if you always say the Jackets on the power play or if you recorded it, because I just assumed they probably record these things and they can say them, you know, all the time. But you said that you always say it. So I was curious, how do you keep it so, I mean, you kind of alluded to it already, but I was wondering how you keep it pretty consistent. And I was also curious, how come you don't record it?
3: Well, the answer to that question is yes and yes, and I don't know how I do it so consistently all the time, probably because I've been doing it for 20 years. Yes, I at, at games, I do it live every single time. Yes, it is recorded somewhere in the production facility down there because there has been, I think there have been two games where I have been so dog sick where I just couldn't get it out. And, and those have been, those have been games where Greg had the flu and a temperature of 125 and probably should have just wow. stayed in bed, but refused to go. Right. Um, but you know, those were games where I've been super sick, but if there's any opportunity now, look, when we did the watch party last year against Boston, when we played in Boston, I may have gotten to be a little too much of a fan <laughs> and my throat was ripped for that tuesday night game against boston i mean it was it was and i was thinking oh my gosh they may have to pull off the recording for a playoff game um but no i got i I got through it but it is it is recorded um but if unless i'm half dead and they're propping me up i'm doing it live because i love to
1: and that also goes for like the one minute remaining in the uh period type that type of thing
3: yep and a funny story about that, I think it, I think it was last year, I missed a one-minute call. And when you do that in the penalty box, uh, we, have, we in the penalty box have worked together for so long, there is harassment that happens.
0: <laughs>
3: however, however, that night, I made the mistake of stopping at a UDF for something. I don't even know what. But there's this girl and her husband or boyfriend that's in there in Blue Jackets gear, and she goes, "Hey, you're the announcer for the Blue Jackets, right?" And I went, "Yeah." And she goes, "You missed the one minute in the t- in the second period." And I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs>
2: that is such a hockey thing. I feel like only hockey fans would
3: call oh out my the PA
2: announcer. <laughs> Oh, goodness. I love it. (laughs) So kind of talk about your average game day. And if you have any routines prior to the game or during to the game, I know some people do like the same thing every day. Sometimes people eat the same food or they like take a nap before, you know, hockey is like the only sport I know where people take naps beforehand.
3: My day with the arenas starts at about four o'clock. So I leave the house probably three thirty, quarter to four for a seven o'clock game. And then I can tell you, I mean, throw a timeout and I can tell you exactly where I am at that moment. Um, typically uh, I go down, I unwind a little bit. I shut things down because I work out of my house. I shut things down a little bit early. If I can, I'll take a half an hour rest. I'll walk out the door, try and be down at the arena between 4 and 4.30, just to kind of, you know, relax. I'll sit up in the Sky Terrace and just kind of, you know, just really just unwind. Five o'clock, we have a production meeting. We shoot our uh, opening segment of the Rink Report. Mike and I have dinner. I go upstairs, check names with the broadcasters at about six o'clock from the visiting team uh, to make sure that I have names right. I still do that. And then at 6.30, when when warm-ups start, I'm uh, mm-hmm. I'm walking the stands for a couple minutes saying hi to fans, and then it's in the box, and, and, and it's showtime.
2: My routine before Monsters games for covering them is, you know, I have, like, an if this happens and I do this instead. I don't have, like, a strict thing that I follow, so it's kind of cool. Right. I, I love hearing, like, everyone's pre-game rituals and stuff. So
3: Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's pretty straightforward. It's It's pretty loose. But, yeah, I I am very much a creature of habit. There is a a proper way to do things. Um, And if anybody could, you know, inform my family that there is an exact proper way to load the dishwasher, (laughs) I'll buy you a puppy.
2: (laughs) I wish there was. I feel like everyone loads it differently. Just in my house alone, we always get on each other.
3: (laughs) Right, right.
1: <laughs> what are some of the toughest names you've had to pronounce? And you kind of already said this, but do you, it sounds like you do spend time kind of practicing prior to games to make sure you have all the pronunciations yeah. right? Yeah.
3: Um, uh, Butchnevich is fun. Um, half of the Tampa roster uh, is, <laughs> is fun. Um, yeah, but the thing is, anytime, once you get a Vladislav Nemesnikov to roll off your tongue like mm. you've been saying it for years, it's hard. It's hard to. It, it, it's it's hard. To, it's hard to miss it. But I I still go and check with with the broadcasters because there are times when players will Americanize, you know, foreign players will Americanize their names and they'll change the way they say it. Take uh, Jake Voracek. I mean, when he played in Columbus, he was Jakob. After he went to Philadelphia, he was still Jakob. And, you know, even talking with the Philadelphia broadcasters they are like, yeah, we're calling him Jake. And I always go with what the broadcasters go with. <laughs> Because if I'm going to be wrong, I'm going to be wrong the same way their home announcers are wrong. So, yeah, right. um, that was one thing I learned very quickly in season one um, after I mispronounced some of our own team players' names because <laughs> I didn't I, I, I didn't know any better. I really didn't. Um, yeah. I'll, I would be willing to bet, and I, I think I did, Serge Alban, I probably announced him the first time mm-hmm. as Sergei Alban. And I, I just remember oh, yeah. that's when, you know, when web pages were coming up and people were posting stuff. And and I promise you, the people wanted to take me and our organ player year one out and hang us both <laughs> because I couldn't say names and he couldn't play the quote unquote Casio keyboard that they bought for him. Oh, so. no. <laughs> oh, it was brutal.
1: I think some of my favorite names that I've heard you do is like David Voborny and Esther yes. Knudsen. Those are some of the names I remember. You would say I like I like the way. Yes, you said those names. get
3: me Lassie Pirietta. Yeah, David Voborni actually has a, a big distinction. He was one of my uh, mother in law's favorite players when when she was still alive. He's also the only Blue Jacket that I left out of opening lineups twice on opening night, twice in three years. By the way, yeah. <laughs> as we were going as we were going down the roster, yeah. <laughs> So I'm not perfect.
2: Have you ever had a player call you out for saying their name wrong?
3: No. However, it was right around the trade deadline. It's probably been four or five years now. Guy takes a penalty from Arizona. They were still Phoenix at the time. That would tell you how long ago it was. He comes in. I announced the penalty and the player. And he goes, hey, dude, he's not here yet. And I went, what? And I looked over and <laughs> doggone it. I had called the name of the player above the guy that was in the box, who happened to be someone that they had just acquired at the trade deadline, who had not yet joined the team on the road.
1: Oh no! Mm. So, but
3: this is like the Ottawa game. What did I do in the Ottawa game? (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, no, no. You didn't do anything. But I just remember the trade deadline. Ottawa was oh, yeah. handed by two players. So they had two players yes. coming into the game late. So I just <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they you actually anything,
3: showed up. You're right, Will. They actually showed up during the game.
2: That was such a weird game, too. <laughs>
3: Oh my gosh! It's
1: weird. Yeah, that was that was weird. And they pulled it out too. It wasn't even an easy win. They had to go two. Oh out. yeah, yeah. That one. I'm like, oh. oh my
3: gosh! I did something wrong that I don't know about. I didn't hear about it from everybody and my mom.
1: <laughs> that's that's the thing. Like, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I, I watch all the games from afar now, but I watch all the games and everything. And everything you do sounds perfect and consistent every time. Like, if you ever had, if anything was different, yeah. I yeah. would know. So, yeah,
3: you know, we will. There will be things that mess up. And they're usually, look, I know my role on background noise. I mean, I've made a career out of being background noise radio, right? How many people actually notice and, and actually say something? Not a ton. Somebody, you know, somebody will needle you on Twitter and that's fine. And it's good for for a joke. But you know what? You go back, you correct yourself. And that's what I did, like, with the guy from, from Arizona. I just went back and... And and said it with the other guy's name. Did anybody notice? Probably not. (laughs) Or we'll just say, you know, correction on, you know, correction on the time or whatever. So I I try not to take myself too seriously. But when I do, I keep telling people when I do the perfect game, then I'm done. (laughs) 20 years, I haven't been able to do do the perfect game. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm totally okay with that.
2: <laughs> um, what? Uh, speaking of like being there for 20 years, you have 20 years of memories. So, what is your most memorable moment so far as being for being the voice of the Jackets?
3: So, the most recent had to be Game Four last year against Tampa, the sweep. I just remember, you know, they interviewed Nick and Josh and Cam, and the whole place is going bonkers and and crazy. And I just remember sitting in the penalty box, and I, I just I couldn't bring myself to leave. They had done the interviews, the teams back in the locker room, and I just sat and watched the fans kind of mill around and then file out. And I, almost every single fan was out of the bowl before I could bring myself to leave. It was so, it was such a cool moment for the team, and especially for the fans. I mean, these fans have proven. I mean. You know the games against Pittsburgh, against in the playoffs, in the Washington series, and last year, you give these you give these folks something to cheer about, and they will blow the roof off the place. They will make it so loud that you blow out speakers in the sound system, which we may or may not have done on several occasions <laughs> in that building. Right?
2: You're right. <laughs> so
3: that's the most recent one. The most poignant one was the opening night that I got to MC the thing we did for for Mister Mac. And I've got a picture down in my in my studio. It's just me at center ice with a single spotlight on me. And then the projection of Mr. Mac with his hat on in that flannel shirt. <laughs> um, because he didn't care what you thought, right? right, right. Um, and those two projections on either side of, of Mr. Mac with that big, beautiful smile of his. And it was so quiet in that room. You know, there were 25,000 people there and I could hear the HVAC fans going in the ceiling. It was so quiet during that moment of silence. That's that is my favorite memory of my entire 20 years.
2: Oh, yeah, that speaks to a lot about Mr. Mac. If, if you wouldn't mind maybe talking a little bit like what? are Because you probably got to get to know him a little bit, right? Do you have any favorite memories of him? Personally, Um,
3: I did. I didn't come in direct contact with Mr. Mac, but maybe two or three times. And it was it literally was like walking up and talking to my own grandfather. I mean, he was the nicest. If you didn't know who Mr. Mac was and you passed him on the street, you would have no idea. Of the wealth that that man had and the power that that man had and how much that man had not just to the city, you know, not not given just to the city, but how much how philanthropic he was with people. Such a low key human being. And we loved him. Right. I mean, we just loved the man every time. They would pan over to him and, and sh- uh, take a shot of him when he was in his box. And I don't care who we were playing and how bad we were beating him. Mr. Mack would doff his cap and he would get the biggest applause of the entire night. And rightfully so.
2: I love that. Today's episode is brought
1: to you by cars.com. kind of specific funny moments that have happened throughout. Oh, my
3: goodness. Well, let's talk about the two firefighters that crashed the uh, proposal one year. I don't know how long you guys have been following the team, but my first boss sat right next to me in the penalty box. Now, originally, the plans for the PA announcer were to be up in uh, press row, as I understand. Now, And at this point, about half of us are in the penalty box. Half of us are upstairs. It's going to be interesting with social distancing, how that all fleshes out in the future. But so my boss, uh, at the time she had me in the penalty box, like right next to her. I'm convinced that it was so she could kill me if she needed to, um, (laughs) because I was rough around the edges when I started, but she got so nervous when we did proposals in the arena. And the idea was this is people's biggest moment of their life. So, you know, typical, typical proposal. It's a game guy and his girlfriend are there and he drops to one knee he asked her to marry him. Applause. All of a sudden, the backdrop starts to ripple. It falls down. And I promise you, we see a leg. <laughs> now, we didn't know this, but there was some there was some drama with an ex girlfriend or something, I believe, at, at the time. And we thought this girl had crashed it or something had gone crazy. What we had not known until after the game was, and this took place in the Zamboni tunnel. There were two guys from the visiting team, fans of the visiting team, that had a couple too many hockey pops, (laughs) and were goofing around, looking over at the proposal, pushing and shoving each other, and they both go over the railing. (laughs) One of them dislocates a shoulder. (laughs) I think they both end up getting arrested. And we're... And and all we see is what everybody's seeing on the screen is his body falls, <laughs> the backdrop's going nuts in this proposal, and, and the story behind it was like, oh my gosh! And then last year when when uh, uh, last year uh, poor Leo goes out without his microphone for the national for the national anthem <laughs> was I mean I mean that was a, that. that was yeah. a giggle giggle snort snort moment. Yeah, there there have been some uh, there have been some really uh, some really interesting things that have gone down. I, I can't even imagine what the people in the Zamboni Tunnel were thinking when these two bodies fell out of you know fell out of the sky. Did I mean, she, it's only like a ten foot drop, right?
2: Only did she say yes yeah. though? Like, did she actually say yes?
3: She did. Yes. Okay. Yeah, she did. See, oh, but my poor boss. I mean, she was a wreck the rest of the game. I mean, she is a poor girl screaming into the headset, you know, to clear it, yeah. the communication, you know, the communication. Headset, What's going on? What's happening? So, yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was a good one.
1: Do, do you and players kind of interact, you know, while they're on the game, not maybe not during the game, but like warm ups or
3: during warm ups because the doors are closed and, and, you know, and we're in there once in a while there, you know, yeah. somebody will come in and, yeah. and usually it's a visiting team player. And it's funny now because I've been there long enough where there are kids that have grown up here in Columbus that are coming back and playing. And last, I can't remember. I I can't even remember who it was. Kid was sitting in the box and, and he looks over at me. And I I actually think he was uh, from up in the Cleveland area. Um, And he looks over at me and he goes, man, I didn't know you did. You said that all the time. I had just done a a power play thing. And I went, yep. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh. So yeah, so uh, no, there's not a, there, there's a little bit of interaction once in a while with a player. Is there
1: any advice that you would give to those trying to get? Yes, to, stay like, away from my job.
3: This? I have a kid in college still. <laughs> I need this gig. <laughs> yeah, I have the chance to talk to a lot of a lot of high school groups down at the arena. I love talking to them. Some colleges, but mostly mostly high school kids. and what I tell uh, what I tell every group that I speak to is, Go try something. Look, I had absolutely no inkling that I would get this job. To be totally honest with you, neither did my wife. Because she said, you know, her mouth said, yeah, you know, when I called and told her I had this idea, she said, yeah, this could be good for your career. That, that might not be a bad idea. But in the back of her mind, she's going, you know nothing about hockey. I didn't. <laughs> so we're both thinking there's no way this is happening. And all, and you know, here it is, twenty years later, right? But I just decided I wanted to try it. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I got an audition, and here I am, twenty years later, talking to you guys about this this career that I've had in professional hockey. And so, you know, I I tell I tell the the high school groups, go try something new. Why not? Because the worst that you, the worst thing that happens is you learn that you're not. You're not necessarily made for that particular thing, but who knows what it could become? My entire broadcasting career, I got into because I had a. There was a girl that I worked with uh, when I was in high school. I bagged groceries at a Kroger store. Who invited? She worked part time at a radio station here in town. She invited my girlfriend and I to come down and do some anti-drunk driving PSAs. That was the first broadcasting i ever did people started recognizing my voice in high school and uh i went to college as a business major that lasted a month i thought that was really fun being on the radio maybe i'll check out the college radio station and a career was born and oh by the way that girlfriend that <laughs> that i went and did those drunk driving psa's with i married her so my wife was actually with me at my very first broadcasting <laughs> gig ever
1: that's awesome that's awesome. Do you watch the games when they're on the road or do you kind of use that as a break to kind of sometimes you know, I do? A, a lot bit? of times
3: I do. Uh, and if nothing else, I'm checking in on the game. Um, I'm, I'm not the kind of person yeah. who who is breaking it down um, and I get to see, you know, 45 or 50 games a year anyway. So sometimes, yeah, uh, but I'm, I'm I'm not watching every single game, but I'm at least checking in or checking my phone. Um, because I love the team. I'm a, I'm a fan like you guys are.
1: I can at least relate to that aspect of just, we watch all the games and cover them, but then it's like, uh, I'm going to maybe check in on this one. Yeah, sometimes watch, it gets rough. It, when, I totally get that. Because
2: being the AHL writer, I also am following with the team up top in, in Columbus as well. So that's right there is 76 plus 82 games. <laughs>
3: so yeah. when
2: the off season comes, I'm like, I'm good. We'll just, Take a little break.
3: Yeah, that, that's a lot of sports. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of sports.
1: A lot. I was I was actually a a media relations intern for a baseball team a few years ago, so I kind of got to see uh, you know up front like. My how my duties kind of intertwined with the PA announcer as far as giving them their scripts and making sure they had all the ads right and making sure they yeah. had the names of the the players right. So when you're doing your games, I assume same deal you have your scripts that they're giving you in between the play. Um, I guess maybe you're kind of getting ready for the next reading that you might have to do, I guess at the next whistle, or how do you balance in the middle of a game all the duties that you're doing or you know having to keep up on right? Keep up with well, you plans. know how
3: you know how people have ADHD, right? I have AD capital H. Yep. so I I tell people I can do nine things at once. So you throw something like you throw a tenth thing in there, I mean all bets are off, right? Um, but no, I mean there are a lot of moving parts to a game. I'm a small part of the show that goes on around the hockey game. I'm a very small part of a big, a big show. You want to talk to somebody who's, who's busting it during a hockey game. Get Mike Todd on the podcast with you. That dude runs like 25 miles during a game. Cause he's got to be in different locations. I sit in the penalty box and flip water bottles after I say jackets on the power Right? <laughs> I mean, you know, there are, there are times where I'm super busy. You know, there are times where, we've had a penalty or there's a review and we're trying to get information and, you know, now we're going to a commercial break. And, you know, so there are times where it's busy, but, you know, with, with having Mike, Mike Todd there, and Mike's been there for this is a 16th season with the team. Um, you want to talk about a, a great person to have on your team. So, you know, those first three years, I was hosting contests from the penalty box and it was just the voice of God, <laughs> with the yeah, no kidding, with the, with the power patrol people trying to. So that got really busy. So things actually, you know, backed off a little bit for me. But there, there are still times where where there's a there's a lot to try and keep track of. Not to mention doing hockey clock math, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, right. Because when there's fifteen yeah, minutes sure. when there's fifteen minutes left in the <laughs> period, that's actually five minutes into the period, which is how we announce things. Yeah. Clock math, right? It's, it's, it's tough.
2: The, after, it's oh, fine. Mm-hmm. Like when you hit that halfway point right. and I, it's 10 minutes, it's perfect. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I know, right? I, yeah, first world PA announcer problem. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. Has there been like, I mean, as I said, as far as I could tell, you you've never messed anything up, but... As you said, also, you're not perfect. So has there ever been a name that you didn't quite say the way you, you intended to, and you're thinking, oh, man, or have you always been like, I, I feel Season good one, how I said
3: that? Season Solani played for the San Jose Sharks. My boss at the time uh, had come from, uh, via Europe, the San Jose Sharks. And let's just say Temu Solani was a very pretty man, <laughs> right, when he played. It's true, true. <laughs> so we would, we, would all, we would always rib her whenever Solani ended up in the penalty box. Well, I, I would do a read where I would preview the next game that's happening. And I just completely butchered Temu Solani's name, turned the mic off, and I was getting that look. You know that look, right? <laughs> and I went, I butchered it, didn't I? <laughs> she went, yeah, you really did. I went, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but again, you move on. But actually, Will, if if you if I gave you my home phone number, could you call my family, just leave a voicemail and let them know how perfect I am, <laughs> please. They they're they're not convinced. Yes, okay. They're not impressed. I'll do that. <laughs>
1: Have you in Torts ever crossed paths? I mean, I guess you have at some point, but I'm curious. You and Tortorella, have you guys No, ever I have had no
3: direct really? interaction with uh, Coach Tortorella. And I wish at some time mm-hmm. that I could. Because what I would tell him, what I would tell him is when they first announced that they were bringing him in as the head coach, there were a lot of naysayers. Mm-hmm. And I, I was one of the people, I heard it in my car. I was one of my, I was one of the people going, this is going to be awesome.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah.
3: And it has been so much, it has been so much fun to watch him mold this team into what it's become. That is just my personal opinion. I'm one of those people where I'm just like, well, just go do it. And he's one of those people where he's like, just go do it. I don't want excuses. Just go do it. So I, I had not had any direct contact with the coach, but I, I'm a fan. Yeah. And I'm I'm an unashamed I am an unashamed fan. Yes. Of Coach Torch.
2: You sh- you need to find a way to like redo your routine <laughs> for game day. Just just <laughs> one day.
3: Just one. Walk- <laughs> so I have to walk by his office. great You like
2: yeah. accidentally walk into post game presser.
3: <laughs> right. Right. Hey, Coach, how are you?
2: <laughs> are there any, like, have you gotten to know other PAs? Because you said you went around and asked them questions. Like, what did you learn from those PAs from other arenas?
3: Yeah. So I worked with, the first place I went was Pittsburgh. And I got to sit with John Barbaro, who was the legendary yeah. PA announcer for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He He passed several years ago. He was the coolest guy. He really, really was. He was so interested in helping in helping me learn the craft. Um, and, and, I, and I only sat and watched him for three hours, right? The, the guy in Chicago was busy. I didn't get to sit right with him, but I got to observe him. And I actually sat upstairs with the game operations people uh, in Nashville, so I didn't get to sit because their PA announcer worked uh, in the penalty box. But there's a there's a group of there's a fa- there's a closed Facebook group of us PA announcers and we share stories and um, we actually do a pronunciation guide for each other um, where we will at the beginning of the season we will read off our rosters. And then that all sits on a on a common website that we can all access so that so that we can get names, you know, so that we can get names right.
2: That's nice. It's nice to see that like the way that works together. I I've, yeah. I've got
3: a job that 29 other people in the world have.
2: Right. Oh, that's so
3: 30 cool. other people in the world have, right?
1: Soon to be It is really Soon to be 31. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: When you put it that way,
1: it's very right. unique. Right.
3: Yeah. Right. I know. And that's going to be interesting. It's yeah. going to be really interesting uh uh up in Seattle. It was so much uh it was so much fun to watch uh Vegas get off the ground in that that historic run that they had two years ago. Um, and if you've been to a game in Vegas uh, up until this season, uh, the show was directed by a guy by the name of Johnny Greco, who was in Columbus back in the early years here with the Blue Jackets. Yeah. He, he left during the first lockout and went to ended up up in Cleveland, yep. worked with the Monsters and the uh, Cavs, Worked with uh, WWE and then got the call. Uh, applied for the job out in Las Vegas, and boy, that was that show was is unreal, just unreal.
2: It's it's kind of cool too to see yeah. how hyped people are in the surrounding states of Washington. So I lived in Oregon in Corvallis for like six seven months, and they don't have mm-hmm. a ton of hockey in oregon um but they love hockey like they are so in love really? with it. yeah um especially in portland obviously because of the winter hawks but in um like where oregon where university of oregon is and then oregon state is in corvallis they tried multiple times to get hockey teams so they can continue what they call the civil war between the two schools and now it's just crazy because they're all like buzzing with excitement about hockey that's in a total other state and it's and Seattle, I think, is like four or five hours from uh from Corvallis. So that's a huge reach that yeah. that people are excited about it. And it just it's kind of blowing my right. mind a little. I love it.
3: Is is there a lot of hockey history up in that part of of the US?
2: There, I mean, not really, not a ton. I know that um what is it like Everett, Silvertips, and then I think there was like a team in Spokane like for junior hockey, but I think that that's about really where it ended was junior hockey. There wasn't, um, there wasn't much after that. So I think people are just hungry for it at like, they're just hungry for it because they, they see it and like Vancouver is not that far away from parts of Washington. So it's interesting to find out how many people just actually are hockey fans and you didn't realize it because it's not there
3: yeah, it will be interesting. It will be interesting to see uh, to see how Seattle does as they come into the league. i mean, if if uh, Vegas is any indication of how uh, you know, an expansion team is going to do, I mean, think about it, it had been almost twenty years since there had been any kind of expansion, and that was Columbus and Minnesota uh, back in back in two thousand. Some of the PA announcers, you were you were talking about yeah. this a, a couple of minutes ago, Elaine about you know the camaraderie of the PA announcers some of the PA announcers have reached out to their fan base you know we got cut off from each other the teams and the fans very unceremoniously right you know we went from a we went from a tuesday where we had a game in yeah. 2 days against pittsburgh a right. huge game against pittsburgh to wednesday now we're going to play this game without fans question mark to thursday we have no season. Um, So some of the PA announcers just started doing shout outs. I mean, just like for grins and giggles. (laughs) And, uh, and then a couple had the idea of, Hey, let's do this for, let's do this for charity. So, you know, there are guys doing it for food banks. There are guys doing it for their team's foundations. I'm doing it for the blue jackets foundation. And um, I, I, I mentioned it to my wife and I said, I, you know, if I could get, you know, if we we could get a hundred of these, we could raise 2500 bucks for the foundation. That'd be cool. We're almost to $5,000 oh, for the Blue Jackets Foundation. That's
2: so awesome. I mean, the fifth,
3: the fifth, wow. the fifth line's gone crazy. I'm a little hoarse. <laughs> Um, but no, you know some of the local TV stations picked up on it, and you know the videos that we were doing in the beginning of the quarantine kind of primed the pump a little bit. Not for that reason, but it kind of helped. So now I'm so now I'm I'm pushing. Uh, I think we need less than 25 of these shoutouts um, to to hit five thousand to hit five thousand dollars. And there there are a lot of other things going on too. Uh, Cam Atkinson's got um, his virtual 5K that's coming up in. In June, that uh, that I'm going to do down in Pickerington. I think they're doing a virtual 5K, uh, trying to raise money to get a sheet of ice down there. Oh, that would be. So there are a lot of great, yeah. That
2: would be so great down there.
3: Yeah, there are are a lot of great things. There are a lot of great things going on. Um, But but my thing is is the cameos. I want to do them. You know, while we're still in inside this ridiculously annoying pandemic now. Right. I want to get to that $5,000 mark. So cameo.com slash PA, the number four CBJ. Follow me on Twitter. (laughs) How was that? That See, I get paid. (laughs) I get paid to do advertisements.
2: See, and now Will can do that for his dad on Cameo.
3: (laughs) There you go, Will. Happy Father's Day. Oh my God,
1: that would be perfect. That would be funny. That would be great. For that for that Penguins game, uh, the one that they were going to have no fans at, were you still going to be doing like your normal, you know, game day? So uh,
3: as I understand, I am I am a necessary uh, element of the game, according to the NHL rules. Uh, I'm an essential employee for that. Kind of the snarky question is, do I say, do I yell jackets on the power play? Would we fire the cannon seven <laughs> times when we scored on them? I mean, right?
2: I want to see like so, pizza boxes flying yeah, into yeah. the empty
3: seats. <laughs> I would keep, I would keep all of the pizza. I would just throw them to the guys in the serious. penalty box. So, hey, pizza for you. It's like Oprah, you get a pizza and you get a pizza and you get a pizza. <laughs> So, yes, as, as I understand, I, I would I would be considered essential and probably because there would be press there. There would be, you know, teams, players, press. So I would assume that, yes, as far as I knew, I was going to be. And and I was hoping yeah. that we would get to play that game for no other reason, if for no other reason yeah, than to see. I mean, how weird would that be? Yeah. Right?
2: That's that's where I was Watching at.
3: Watching a pro game right. in an empty building. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. That's what so. that's where I was at when the Monsters were supposed to play at home, I think that Saturday and or that Friday. It was shortly after and I was kind of pumped. I was a little bit scared, but I was also kind of pumped because how many times do you get to see a professional game in a big right. arena? with no one in a vacuum. Yeah. (laughs) Like the sounds would be intensified and you would hear everything that came out of every player's mouth.
3: (laughs) Right. Yeah. And, 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 and it would, I I was, I was very, very intrigued, but if you guys remember that went so quickly, I mean that, that 48 hours, because you know, I I remember that that Wednesday, I teach a a financial class on Wednesday nights, and I walked into that class at 7 o'clock with a text in my hand that said, it looks like we're going to play without fans tomorrow. Two hours later, the NBA is shutting down, and 12 hours after that, at 1 o'clock the next day... They're shutting the NHL down. I mean, it was like bang, 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 bang. They felt like dominoes.
2: Yeah, it was so um, fast. And I didn't, and because I, I was know. working during the day, so I didn't know. And one of my coworkers came up to me, and they were like, hey, Elaine, we're really sorry about the season. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's a game with no, <laughs> oh. right. I'm like, there's a game with no fans. Right. And they're like, "Um, maybe you should check your phone. And then I saw the press release and was like, oh, that's cool.
3: well well yeah well that was that was also uh here in in columbus that was high school hockey weekend yeah and you want to talk about getting chipped those poor kids oh my gosh and i had that morning uh thursday morning i had put my wife on a plane to go visit a friend of hers for the weekend because i was busy all weekend long right i had i had a i had a hockey game thursday i had two games saturday for high school two games sunday for high school now all of a sudden i got Nothing. (laughs) And my wife's in Atlanta. What am I going to do all weekend? (laughs) (laughs) Evidently, it was eat junk food.
2: What is it like announcing a high school game compared to announcing a professional game?
3: I I treat the high school games just like I treat a a professional game, just like I treat a Blue Jackets game. Because for a lot of those kids, for the vast majority of those kids, that is their Stanley Cup that is their professional game. That's as close as they're ever going to get to playing in the pros. So I go in and I go into the, um, I go into the locker room. I check with the coaches. How do you pronounce your players' names? Guys, this is how we're, you know, this is how the timing is going to work out. You probably already know this, but this is what we're going to do. And um, so I treat that game just as, You know, just as highly as I treat a Blue Jackets game. And I have to because there's nothing worse than a high school senior's mom who's mad because I said her son's name wrong.
2: Oh yeah. Hockey moms are they're wonderful, but they're passionate they're very passionate. They are the most passionate. They're they remind me of like Texas high school football dads. Like they're just
3: they're so
2: into it. <laughs> like,
3: yeah. I love well, it. <laughs> look, I I say that tongue planted firmly in cheek. They are. I I have had two, maybe three people yell at me that I got their son's name wrong. Um, but, but you know it it it's a big deal for those families, and it's a big deal um, for those kids. So I, I you know I treat it I treat it just as you know to me that's just as important as. Any other game, so and I, you know, I get to witness some history. I've seen the longest high school game ever.
2: Yeah, that game was that great.
3: Game that went, <laughs> oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. Does the uh, does the cannon make you jump, or are you used to it now? They test <laughs> fired it at about four thirty in the afternoon before doors opened, <laughs> and I wasn't expecting it. And I was sitting in the penalty box until after it went off, yeah. and then I was up in the sky terrace, <laughs> and I did not take the steps. <laughs>
1: I remember, I, I heard that story. I, I mean, I heard a story like that. I don't know who said it. I remember they said they tested it and it was so loud. They were testing to see how loud it was or something. And you it was have to crazy have Mike Todd And you have
3: to have him tell you the cannon story. Oh, yes. Because it is it is epic and there is film somewhere <laughs> of, the test, of the test firing. It's
1: been really awesome just talking with you and... Getting you know your perspective
3: of everything. Thanks like, for you know, having me on, Will uh, Elaine. It was great getting to talk with you. Me and, too. Uh, when you guys see me, when you guys see me down at the arena, make sure you uh, make sure you grab me and say hi. Yeah,
2: we'll just have to sit right next to you, or like right behind you. Right. Just pound on the glass. <laughs> just
3: Beat on the glass. <laughs> <laughs> just beat on the glass. Yeah.
2: I did. Yeah, wait, right okay. Mine, yeah. So I went to um, a Philadelphia <laughs> Flyers game in December of 2013. I think it was 2013. It could have been 2014. And Brayden Chen went to the box like three times. And we kept trying to sneak bacon on a stick to him through the little slit. And the one ref just kept like batting it away. <laughs> like,
3: Oh, my gosh. That's funny. The
2: penalty box area is so much fun. <laughs>
3: Well, the next time we talk, we can talk about some of the colorful conversations between players and, and fans sometimes.
2: Oh, I'm sure it's great.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I can I can imagine. Okay. My that's pleasure, awesome. guys. Yeah, Have a good, good night. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and Howlin' Moons off of their album Homemade Vision. Angela's newest album is called 430 and you should definitely go check it out check her out at AngelaPearly.com and you should also check out Angela Pearly on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube for videos and live stream concerts from her home during the stay at home period. Rate us and leave us a review on iTunes and as always we welcome your comments and questions. You can tweet at us at CBJ cannon and comment on JacketsCanon.com from all of us at the Canon. Thank you for listening and we will see you next week.
0: You're cool,